Brother Cody. Thank you, Praise Team, for leading us this morning in worship to a God who is like no other God. When John Wesley uh, was preaching at his first church. He preached a sermon entitled, You Must Be Born Again. And everyone thought he did an amazing job. Then the next week, he preached a sermon entitled, You Must Be Born Again. And by the third week after he preached the same sermon entitled, You Must Be Born Again, the deacons were starting to get a little bit anxious and nervous about this. Who did we call to be our pastor? And so the chairman went to John Wesley and said, Hey, um, what gives? Why do you keep preaching about how you must be born again? John Wesley looked him straight in the eyes and said, Because... You must be born again. And today we're going to talk about the necessity, the need to be born again. As we continue our series of eternal life, talking about eternal life. Now, this comes, this passage is very familiar in one of the, the most famous passages of all scripture, all famous verses, John 3.16. And most of you can quote that by heart. Well, it falls within the context, the greater context of John chapter 3, and that's where we're going to be today in John chapter 3. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and get it open there to John chapter 3, and we're going to read together just uh, the, toward the end there of John chapter 3. We're going to read verses 16 uh, through 18. And so if you have your Bible there, would you go ahead and open it uh, up there and stand with me and let's read together. Jesus says to John, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Let us pray together. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we are so thankful to be in your presence today, Lord. We pray, Father, that you would lead us and guide us, that you would, your Spirit would speak to us, Lord. We pray, Lord, that we would understand the meaning of the new birth. And, Father, that you would give us hearts that are new and give us Minds that are renewed, Lord, that our spirits may come alive. Father, that we would be called into your presence and to your work daily. And Father, I pray that you would speak through me now, Lord, that you would give me words to speak that will bring life to the hearers and that we would all obey your word today. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. You may be seated. As we think about the, the idea of being born again, I want to share with you this truth, and we're going to see it. We're going to kind of unpack it. But here's the biblical truth this morning. If you are born once, you will die twice. But if you're born twice, you will only die once. In fact, when Jesus says, uh, when he's speaking to Mary and Martha about Lazarus' death, he says, anyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And what he means is spiritually... We will never die. Our bodies will die, 
and our bodies will go in the grave. And we know that that's true. We see it happening regularly around us. But if we believe in Jesus, we will never die in the spiritual sense. The believer passes through death, through physical death, into life, into spiritual life. And so we understand this truth and we believe this truth, but Nicodemus had a little bit of trouble with it. And so Jesus explained it to him. So I want us to look beginning in verse 1, and first I want you to see the must of the new birth, that it is a necessity. Look at what it says in verse 1 of chapter 3. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Now, that's a very audacious claim for a ruler of the Jews. In fact, for Nicodemus to be called a ruler of the Jews meant that he was a member of the Sanhedrin, which was a very, very important ruling body over the people of Israel. He was one of the three richest men in Jerusalem, according to historians. He was a teacher of Israel. And in fact, Jesus calls him later in the passage, the teacher of Israel. So some historians will tell us that Nicodemus, he was the man, he was the guy that everyone went to, to learn from, and he taught all of the people of Israel through his, uh, through his leading. And historians also tell us that he was an official of the public works department in Jerusalem, that he designed the water system for the city. So, I mean, he, you think about this guy. He had built a life for himself. Well, now look at what it says. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Well, that I mean, this man has come to Jesus at night. He's one of the, the leading members of the Sanhedrin, Sanhedrin, if not the most important person in Israel, according to worldly standards. He's at the pinnacle of his career. He's possibly looking toward retirement and settling down in his little villa by the sea. And living the, the rest of his life out in luxury. Enjoying the fruits of his labor. And then he comes to Jesus and he says something that's probably unheard of for someone of his status to say to this Galilean teacher, rabbi. Call him rabbi. A Pharisee calling a nobody a rabbi, teacher. And then also saying of Jesus, we, we know that the things that you do, and that nobody can do those unless God is with him. Now, Nicodemus had it a little bit wrong because truly no one could do the things that Jesus did unless he was God. And Jesus is God. But Nicodemus has obviously given him a little bit of props here. And, and Jesus goes straight to the heart of the matter. He doesn't mince words and he doesn't waste time. And so when we think about Jesus' words, Jesus' words convey necessity because he starts out by saying, truly, truly, those two words together, when you put them together and Jesus is saying them, 
they, they really emphasize the importance of what Jesus is about to say. Anytime you see in the New Testament, you see those words truly, truly, you need to pay attention because it's something very important that is being conveyed. Now, when Jesus says truly, truly, those words are, I mean, I mean. I'm telling you something that's the truth and you need to pay attention. Truly, truly, I say to you, He's very direct in what he says. So you see necessity, but you also see urgency. Because Jesus could have said, hey, I know who you are, and you've done good for your, done well for yourself, and thank you for inviting me. I'm glad to be in your home, and, and all of those things. But he didn't go through all those pleasantries. He didn't waste time on accolades. Rather, he got straight to the heart of the issue that Nicodemus needed to be saved. That was what was so important. There was necessity, but there was also urgency in what Jesus is saying when he says, I say to you. And then thirdly, there's universality because listen to what he says. He doesn't specifically and directly say in, immediately in this verse that Nicodemus, you need to be born again. Listen to what he says. Unless one is born again. In other words, in Greek, what that, that word is tis, and what it means is anyone, everyone, anyone, unless anyone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In other words, there's a problem with every person on this planet. Why must we be born again? Why must something as drastic as and life-altering as a new birth take place in every single person's life? Well, here's the answer. Every person is a sinner. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then Paul tells us in Ephesians 2 and verse 1 and also in Colossians 2.13 that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. See, Every person is a sinner. If you don't agree with that, you don't think, you know, okay, I'm, I may be, I've done some things. I made some mistakes, but I'm not a sinner. We could just go down the list of the Ten Commandments just for a second. But let's just start with a real simple one. Do not bear false witness. Guilty? All right. One sin makes you a sinner. In the eyes of God. So we don't even have to continue with the list. We've got it all. And, and we, uh, we can talk about adultery and murder. And Jesus says if you have those things in your heart. Then you've done them. You've done them in your heart. So we're all sinners. And that sin separates us spiritually from God. In fact in that moment that sin enters in. The Bible says we are dead. We die. We're spiritually dead. In our trespasses and sin. We are physically born. But we are spiritually dead. Because of the sin nature that lives within us. And so. The must of the new birth. Is that we must be born again. The old man has to go away. And the new man has to come. I'll tell you why. We just sang about it. God. Is holy. And no unclean thing can enter his presence. No sinner can dwell in the presence of holiness. It's impossible. When you think about what Jesus says, he says, 
unless he is born again, that word there, you may have a note in your Bible, in some of your Bibles it may say born from above. And then down in the notes in some of your of the other translations, it'll say, uh, if it says born again, it'll say born from above. Why is there confusion with that? Well, here's the answer to that. The word has two meanings. It doesn't just mean born again. It means also born differently, born from above, born better, born not like the first time you were born. Now, well, that word that Jesus used there, because it has that dual meaning, it obviously caused confusion for Nicodemus. He didn't quite understand what Jesus meant. And so, therefore, we have the rest of the passage. I'm glad Nicodemus needed some of these things explained, or else we wouldn't have one of the greatest verses in all of Scripture, which is John 3.16. We wouldn't have it, except Nicodemus was a little bit slow to catch on. So I'm kind of thankful for that. I'm really glad whenever we're sitting in class, Sunday school class or Bible study class, and I'm sitting in the back, and I'm a, I'm a student in that moment, and that doesn't happen very often, but I'm, I got something going on in my head, and I'm too afraid to raise my hand, but then somebody else raises their hand, and they ask that question. Aren't you glad that they do that? Well, Nicodemus just did that for all of us. What in the world are you talking about, Jesus? Born again, and then born from above? Well, let's see that We've seen the must of the new birth. Jesus said you must be born again. You've got, to, you've got to be born again or else you cannot see the kingdom of God. But secondly, I want you to also see the mystery of the new birth. The mystery of the new birth. So Jesus says, uh, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You think about the sight. If you're spiritually dead, you're spiritually blind as well. Paul, on the road to Damascus, the Bible says that when he was on the road, he saw that light, but then he became blind. Well, what was the blindness about? It was there to represent that he couldn't see spiritually. The physical blindness was there to to mean that he could not see spiritually. And then as he went to Ananias and Ananias led him to the Lord, what immediately happened? The Bible says something like scales fell off of his eyes. And then immediately, Paul was baptized. I've often thought about it this way. People don't act right because they aren't born right. And we, we, we look at the world around us and people are doing all kinds of evil things all around us. And we think, why have they did that? How could they do that to me? And all of those things. And you can't act right until you're born right. You've got the first birth, but you don't have the second birth. You're spiritually dead. Your eyes are blind, and you can't make good decisions. You can't do things that God wants you to do. Jesus came not to make good people better or even bad people good. Jesus came to make dead people alive. Jerry Vine says, people do not need reformation. What they need is regeneration. Reformation is putting a new suit on the old man. Regeneration is putting a new man in the old suit. Reformation is whitewashing. Regeneration is washing white. Every generation needs regeneration. Every individual person, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, every young person needs the experience which Jesus describes as being born again. 
Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born again, born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, there he says it again. All right, now you've got to pay attention to this. I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. He's already said, look, you can't even see the kingdom of God. If you can't see the door, there's no way to get in. You can't, I mean, have you ever come in late at night and um, you can't find the light switch? Has anybody ever had that experience? Man, when it's dark up here at this church, it is dark at this church. And whoever designed this place put the light switches in some of the weirdest places. Fumble around, can't find it. You can't get into the kingdom of God unless you're born right. It'll never happen. You can't enter into heaven until heaven enters into you. And so the mystery of the the new birth is that it's a lot like two things that Jesus illustrates. He tries to illustrate, he doesn't try, Jesus does illustrate with two earthly truths that we can understand. He says, unless someone is born of water, well, what is that about? Well, without getting into all the details, water plays a big role in birth. The same is true for the new birth. We see the outward sign of what's happening through baptism. Baptism is the sign of the new birth. As soon as a person trusts in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, then they enter into the waters of baptism as an outward picture of the inward change that's happened in their heart. Ezekiel talks about that. It talks about how God says He will wash us clean and He'll put a new heart within us and all of these things. And so when a child takes his first breath, he's new, he's innocent, he needs nourishment. That's the same picture that we have for someone who first puts their faith in Christ. It's like birth. But not only does Jesus say it's like the birth, look look at what else he says. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. So that's the first illustration. The second one is, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. I love this illustration. Caleb, come help me real quick, buddy. Grab it and come on up here. I've had to get a little bit of help with this illustration today because my first, the beach ball, wouldn't do what I wanted it to do. It was just too heavy for my little Ryobi fan. But have you ever seen this happen? You ever, you ever seen this done? Can you see anything that's taking place right here? No, but there's movement here. There's molecules of air and there's lots of things happening. But now, can you see it? No, can you see it? Can you see any of that? No, but what do you see? You see the effect of the wind. And this is the point of Jesus' illustration. We'll see how long that stays going. The battery's fully charged, so just let you look at that. Hopefully it goes for the rest of the sermon. I'll tell you what, I'll give you this. uh, Before that battery runs dead, I'll be finished with my sermon. Is that a deal? Okay. (laughs) Sir? It'll be be, uh, still going, I'm sure. 
when I'm finished. And so, you know, we can't see the wind itself, but we can feel the effects of the wind. Did you hear about the weatherman who left town because the weather didn't agree with him? I mean, I feel sorry for weathermen. I really do. I feel sorry for Brooke Richardson and Joseph Neubauer. I mean, they have a difficult job, don't they, to predict the weather. I remember going to bed the night before Hurricane Sally, and just before I went to bed, I uh, did what most of, so most of us do, is check the weather just to see what it was going to do. And I heard them saying, you know, it's going to be to our west. So it will be a rainmaker, maybe a little bit of wind and no big deal, going to bed that way and waking up with Hurricane Sally on my front porch. I mean, I remember that. And so, so Jesus says this about the wind. He says the wind blows where it wishes. You can't contain the wind. You can't tie a rope to the wind. You can't catch the wind in a basket. You can't lock the wind up in jail somewhere and say, you've got to stay here. The wind blows where it wants to. You can't see the wind, but you can feel the wind. And you can know its effects. Just as we can see the effect in the physical realm of the wind, we can see the effect of the Holy Spirit in the spiritual realm. And the way people live, the way you live. If the holy wind of God has ever blown through your life, there will be substantial change. I mean, I went to bed the night before Sally and I woke up the next day and it was like a totally different world out there. And that's the same way as it is with a Christian, a person who puts their faith and trust in the Lord. They go to bed one way and they wake up and they're a totally different person on the inside. In an instant, the Lord Jesus changes us. New birth is not something... You can see, but you can experience the effect. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And so we see the must of the new birth, and then we see the mystery of the new birth, that it's not something that you can see on the outside. But then... Thirdly, I want you to see the meaning of the new birth. Now, let's look again at what Jesus says to Nicodemus. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? In other words, what do you mean by all this? What are you getting at, Jesus? I I still don't get it. I'm thankful that Nicodemus pressed the question. Verse 10, Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel? Now, he doesn't say, are you a teacher of Israel? But he says, are you the teacher of Israel? See, teachers, their job is to take big, difficult truth and break it down into little bite-sized pieces so that people like you and me, average, ordinary citizens, can understand it. That's what a teacher's job is. Nicodemus is having a real hard time breaking this down. He said, are you the teacher of Israel and yet you don't understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, that's the third time Jesus has said, this is important. You need to pay attention. I say to you, we speak of what we know. In other words, Jesus and his apostles, his disciples, 
He's saying, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. Now, Jesus is saying we there, and I think there's a lot that goes into that little word we there. It's not just that Jesus and his apostles are saying this, but he's also speaking of the testimony of the Holy Spirit because truly the Spirit has come near to Nicodemus. He's being drawn by God to salvation. We know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Numbers chapter 19. The people of Israel are in the, in the desert, and they're just wandering in the desert. They're going to do that for 40 years. God is giving them manna. In the wilderness, he provided water for them. He's keeping the people alive. And they go around. They, they, they say, instead of fighting the people of Edom, we're going to go around that. But to go around the land of Eden, Edom means to go through the desert. And so they're there in the desert, and it, it's a weary journey. It's tiresome. And the people are grumbling against God and against Moses. And God says, you, you, you don't. You want to grumble against the food that I give you and the water that I give you? I'll just let the snakes have you then as a form of punishment. And so the snakes come upon the people of Israel and they begin to bite the people of Israel. And the Bible says, because of the serpents, many of the people of Israel died. And then they cried out to Moses. Pray to God for us. And so Moses goes to the Lord. And the Lord tells Moses exactly what to do. He says, lift up a serpent up on a pole. Put the serpent up on the pole. And if anybody looks at the serpent, he will live. And so Moses fashions this bronze serpent and puts the serpent up on the pole. And if anyone is... And by the way, that's uh, the symbol of the medical field now today. The serpent on the pole. I don't know if you noticed that or not. But it's... That's what it is. And if anyone looks at that serpent, he'll be healed. And that's exactly what happens. People were bitten by the serpents. If they looked at God's provision, they would be healed. And Jesus is explaining to Nicodemus that this is what God is doing right now today. He's dealing with the problem of sin. The, the Sin is... Devastating. The consequences of sin will take your life. And not just take your earthly life, it will take your spiritual life. And you will die. If you've never been born again, you will die. And then you will face the judgment. And then you will die a spiritual death forever. You will be spiritually separated from God forever. The Bible calls that the second death. And you'll stay dead forever. Now, the meaning of the new birth, Jesus goes on to say that if we believe, then we will have eternal life. Look again with me in verse 14. 
As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him, in other words, whoever looks to God's provision, whoever looks to the sacrifice of Jesus, if they believe in Him, they may have eternal life. The words eternal life there, and all throughout John's Gospel, literally mean life unto the ages. It's not just a continuation of life. It's a higher life. It's a better life. It's a life that's different than this life here on this earth. And it begins the moment that you look to Jesus for salvation. And this is the meaning of the new birth. The moment that that happens, you change completely from the inside. And then he says in verse 16, For God so loved the world. And you... You may have done this before, but I'd encourage you to do it now. For God so loved and put your name right there in the blank. Put your name right there. For God so loved me that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish. That means die that second death, that eternal death. But instead have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. See, Jesus didn't come to make you feel bad about your sin or to tell you that you're going to go to hell because of your sin. Jesus came to the world that the world might be saved through Him to give you hope, to give you life. He's not sending people to hell. People choose to go to hell by disbelieving in Jesus. Notice the default position that Jesus tells us in verse 18. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. Now, Jesus is being very direct with Nicodemus. Because when did, Je- when did Nicodemus come to Jesus? At night. Nicodemus didn't want anyone to know that he was interested in this person named Jesus. But the problem with that is that unless you come openly, publicly before Jesus and admit your need for Him, you have no part in Him. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There's an exchange that takes place. In order for the new birth to happen in your life and in my life, A death had to occur. And the death that he died, he died in your place and in my place. 
so that we could be born again. Mark 10, 45, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Well, what about the rest of the story for Nicodemus? The Bible doesn't tell us that in that moment Nicodemus knelt and surrendered his life to Christ, became a follower of Jesus. You have to kind of pick up the pieces in other places, but the Bible tells us that Nicodemus was one that stood up for Jesus during the trial and said, hey, it's not right to condemn a man to death this way. And then later on, Nicodemus was also one of those who brought uh, spices and everything to anoint the body of Jesus. And those things were very expensive. And he sacrificed to anoint Jesus' body. So from those indications, we see that Nicodemus eventually, at some point, put his faith in Jesus. And so we believe that Nicodemus will be there in heaven with us, those of us who believe. We believe that he got the message of John chapter 3. He finally got it at some point. What about you and me? Have you gotten it? More importantly, have you been born again? Are you new? Love the words of an old song. It says, the man you see before you may look a lot the same. I may wear the same old clothes and have the same old name, but you're looking on the outside. If you could see the inside instead, you would see a brand new man. Because the old man is dead. I wonder, today, is that true for you? If you can't put your finger on a time in your life where you said, I believe in what Jesus did for me. Lord Jesus, I believe in what you did for me. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. And that you were buried and that you were raised again to life. And if you've never said to Jesus, I believe in what you did for me. I put my faith and trust in you. You need to be born again. In fact, the Bible says you must be born again. And I can't control that. A preacher can't control that. In fact, I can't see that and I can't know that. It's a mystery. But what I can tell you is what it means for you is eternal life. If you will put your faith in Jesus. I want to give you the opportunity to do that. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? <clears throat> if you've heard the message today and you're putting your faith in Jesus... For the very first time, I want to lead you in this prayer. It's a simple prayer. But it's very profound because it's your confession and your repentance from your sin and your turning to Jesus for salvation. And what happens as a result when you mean this prayer is that new life enters into you. Say, dear Jesus, I admit to you that I am a sinner. I've done things I know are wrong and I have failed to do things that I know are right, the things that you've called me to do. 
And I know I deserve the penalty for my sin. I deserve to die and to be separated from you. But Jesus, I believe that you came and you lived a sinless life. And then you gave yourself up on the cross for me. You took my sin on you. And you died for me so that I could live. Jesus, I put my faith in you today for salvation. Save me a sinner right now, I ask. And by the promise of your word, I believe now that you've saved me. Thank you for saving me. Now I will spend the rest of my life loving you and serving you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, something very profound has just happened in your life. The Bible says, you've just become a new creation. You've been born again and born from above. And now the Bible says you'll pass through a physical death into a spiritual eternal life. What a blessing. Well, that's not something that you should hold in and keep to yourself. That's something that should be shared. There's joy in that. There's celebration in that. And just like a new baby, you need to grow. And so now is the time during this invitation for you to share what Jesus has just done in your heart and in your life. So that you can grow and we can pray for you. We can give you resources to grow. So I want you to stand with us. This invitation is for you. If you've just asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, you've confessed your sin to him and you've been born again, you come and share what Jesus has done for you. If you're looking for a place to call home, you're looking for a place and you know that Jesus has led you to Myrtle Grove Baptist Church to be a member here, we welcome you. This is your invitation as well. And if you need prayer, Our prayer counselors will be coming forward now during the invitation. They'll be here to pray with you. You can just pray at the altar or you can pray right there in your seat. But you take the opportunity 